You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Church in Huntsville, Ontario. Harvest Church is a community that exists to love God, love people, and make disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. For more information about our church, visit us online at myharvestchurch.ca. You've got your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 6. Um, where we've been tracking for the last, uh, last week's sermon and coming to this week's sermons, we're watching how God takes spirit-filled believers who are submitting to each other out of reverence for Christ. And we see how lives are changed because of that. Last week we talked about in marriage, that, that our marriages are more than just a relationship uh, with a person who we love, but, but there are these, these little greenhouses that grow the gospel in us. There are these loudspeakers that speak the gospel to the world. And the only way that's possible in our marriages is when we're empowered by the Spirit, where Jesus becomes the center of our lives and of our marriage. And, and today, we're going to unpack some more verses here in God's Word, and we're going to see this continue to be played out in our families. We're going to see how children obey their parents because, because you love Jesus more than you love yourself, that parents will, will raise their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord because, because as parents, we love Jesus more than ourselves. And so families become, just like marriages, Families become these greenhouses where the gospel is grown in us and loudspeakers where the gospel goes out to the world. We display it in our families. Let's jump right in. Our first point we're going to talk about is, is how, how does this play out with our kids? What's it look like as a kid? How does the gospel impact you as a kid? And I don't, when we talk about kids and, and it says here in verse 1, children, obey your parents. You can ask, okay, when does a child is a child, and when does a child become an adult? Like, how, how do I know if I fit into this category? So, so I was kind of thinking about this. Well, how do we find out that if you, if you ask Advil, it's 12, right? After 12, you're, if, you, if, if you ask the military, it's 18. If you ask Budweiser, it's 19. If you ask um, the MTO, it's 16, right? If you ask Air Canada, I think it's two. Like, when you're two, you get your own seat. So welcome to adulthood. So here's, here's the way we can define it maybe today as we jump into this, all right? I would say this, if, if you're, somebody said this, I thought this is a good way to look at it. If you're under your parents' insurance, parents are like, yeah, I like this. <laughs> Students are like, mm, I don't, right? if, if, if you're still, you're, you're still dependent on your parents, you're, you're still kind of under their roof, or listen, if you're in college, you're obviously in a different relationship with your parents, right? You're, you're not the same as you were a teenager or when you were a little kid. But maybe, maybe even then, maybe even if you're in that category, still look, how does this call from the Lord impact you? The main idea from the text we're going to get as we talk about kids is this. Kids, this is for you. Students, kids. I'm going to say kids. Are you guys cool with that? If you're like 18 or 17, don't be offended. You're, you're still a Kid, all right, you got that? Is that okay with that? Okay, good. Kid. So kids, your obedience and your honor in the Lord is a pathway to God's blessing. All right, here, here's what I want to get. That your obedience and honor to your parents in the Lord is a pathway to blessing. So, so let's unpack these verses here and, and see how the gospel shapes you as a kid and see how the gospel is a way for you to display to the world, hey, this is how the gospel looks. Now, as we jump into this passage, let, let me say this. It is addressed to families for sure, but the, don't miss the implications this has for us as a church family. We're all being built together as, built together as those who are adopted, redeemed, 
into the family of God. So, so we need each other in this. This means that, that you can be in a church context. You can be a spiritual mom and dad to those who don't have them. For those who have raised kids and they're out of the house now, it, it doesn't mean you, you have to check out and this doesn't apply to you because listen, other parents, those of us with kids still with us, we need your prayer. We need your support. You could be a help to overwhelmed parents or single parents. And, and I would say this, that the health of a local church is on display in every generation as we experience the beauty of Jesus as a church family who loves and serves each other. But let's jump in. Look at verse 1 here. It says this. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, if you are a kid in the room right now, I love how this verse here, it's actually talking right to you. Do you see that? It says, Children, obey your parents. This isn't Paul saying, Hey, hey, parents, tell your kids this. This is Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So this is God's word to you. God's word is not written about you, students, kids. This is God's word to you. I mean, I love that it, it shows how valuable you are to the Lord. That the Bible is not just for adults. It's for you. That God loves you so much that he's talking directly to you. And, and I mean, you see God's love for kids. You see it in, in Jesus as, as when he was on earth and, and he would say this, unless you come to the Father like little kids, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven, right? He's saying, unless you have the trust of a child, that, that trust where the kid jumps off the dock into their dad's arm, that, that's the picture he's saying. That's the trust you have in faith when you step out and say, I'm, I'm following you. And Jesus is like, man, kids get it. Get, get it like kids get it. He also shows his love for kids in Mark 10 when, when the adults in the room are like, hey, leave Jesus alone. He's, he's a bit too big and, and, and too important to be bugged by you, you little rug rats, so leave him alone. And Jesus is like, are you kidding me? Let the kids come to me. He says, for to such belong the kingdom of God. I would say this, when you, when you engage with kids, when you have fun with kids in your home, when, when you welcome their input, when, when you embrace their personalities, you're imitating a savior that always had time for kids. Like I would see it this way too in Matthew 18 when Jesus strongly charges the adults by saying, if any of you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it's better to have a millstone tied around your neck and to be thrown into the sea. I don't know about you, but when I see what culture is doing to kids right now, there are lots of opportunities for some millstones to get signed up, right? God loves kids. And, and, and so we, as a church, what are we going to do? We're going to do all we can to welcome, to love, to serve, to protect kids. When, when you serve and harvest kids, you're modeling the heart of God. When, when you adopt or foster kids, you, you're this amazing picture of the, the heart of God who adopts us into his family. When you serve and harvest youth, you're showing God's care. All right, so kids, though, what, what, what do we see in these verses for you? First is this, children are commanded by God to obey their parents in the Lord. Now, there's some things you're going to hear this morning that are going to be hard to hear. And here's what I love, though. Like, like adults come to church, and, and adults kind of, every once in a while at church, you, you ever get that, that, you feel like you've been kind of kicked in the gut by, by God's word, and you're like, oh, like that's conviction, right? You feel that conviction when you come to church. And, and, and I, listen, you come to church because you love that. You're like, I want to be convicted by the word. I, I want to feel the weight of God's word and the hope of the gospel. And that, well, kids, it's your time this morning, all right? So, so I hope you do feel a little kick in the gut this morning. It's all good. All right? It says, obey your parents in the Lord. If you are a Christ follower, if you're a, a kid who says, man, I've given my life to Christ, this is how you roll now. 
This is what you do in the Lord. But, but even more than that, when it says obey your parents in the Lord, it reminds us that all of what we're about to talk about is empowered by the Lord. That, that you need the gospel over all of this. We talked last week about how, how marriage is this. It's, it's uniting one sinner who battles with sin with another sinner who battles with sin. And we, we move in together. And, and here's what we're talking about now. Now add a kid to that equation, all right? I get it. On that, that day when that little bundle of joy comes home for the first day, it's so beautiful. But I'm telling you that that little one is greeting you with a sinful nature that is ready to take you out, right? <laughs> So, so put all this together. You've got, you've got mom and dad with a, a propensity to sin joined by one or two or three or four or more others. It is trouble, right? There's a potential here for this is going to be hard. So, and I mean, just come to my house any evening and you will see that it's hard, all right? Or just drive by with your windows down and listen. You'll hear, right? <laughs> so if we try to approach this picture of a house full of people battling with sin without the gospel over all of this. Man, we're hopeless. The gospel's crucial. Don't miss the first half of Ephesians as we've come into this next part, that, that our hope and our salvation, our ultimate need is for our hearts to be changed, for us to pursue the cross, for us to rest in the gospel. And so, so kids obeying or parents raising your kids, we need heart change. We need Ephesians 5.19 that we would be filled with the Spirit in this. And so when you hear what we're about to hear this morning, hear it this way. This is the gospel that's transformed you with the Spirit filling you. And, and when we fail at it, we come back to that. The gospel's good enough for even for this failure that, that, that God can continue to change me. He will empower me for this. And so kids, you can't follow Ephesians 6, 1 to 2 without the Spirit of God. We can't make it on our own. Parents, this is not about having some outward, let's have nice looking kids who look so good in public and do what I say. Listen, it's going to start with their hearts. And so we need the gospel on a daily basis. Paul says this, God's word says, obey your parents in the Lord. What's it say? For this is right. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, this is the way God designed it to be. When he, when he says this is right, it's, it's not so much, oh, this is right as opposed to what is wrong. It's, it's more this. This is how it's supposed to work. And like I said last week, when talking about marriage, I don't care how culture defines marriage. I don't care what culture says about what marriage is. God defines that. And listen, God also defines your boundaries as a kid. And I get it. You can look at your folks sometimes and you could be thinking, man, what are they thinking? Just to give you a little heads up for you who are younger, before Will Smith was known for smacking around Chris Rock at the Oscars, um, he was a rapper, and he, he kind of summed up what, what most kids think. So if you're a kid from the 80s, you know this song. Remember, remember, parents just don't understand. Anybody remember that? If you don't Google it, you can, don't Google it probably, because I'm sure there's lyrics in there you don't want to Google. Anyway, forget that illustration. Here, here's the thing. Every, every parent here has a season. Even Every parent, okay, kids, listen. Every adult in this room has had a season where they thought their parents were lame. Am I right? Adults in the room, right? But here's what God's saying. He's saying, listen, I've designed this. I know what works best. I mean, you think about other creatures in the creative realm. If, if, if they rebelled, like children can rebel. Like, like think about a gazelle on the Serengeti, right? He's like, forget you, dad. I don't care what you say about the lions, right? 
I think I could take him. I think I could, I could beat him. I think I could. And, and, and so the lion comes and, and the rebellious gazelle steps out where parents are like, no, no, this is where we run. Not me. I got this. You guys are lame, dad. And what happens, dads are saying, moms are saying, no, no, no. Thousands and thousands of years, we had lions killing us. And so you might get away one time. You might get away a second time. But there will be a time when eventually that lion will eat you while the Discovery Channel films it. We run, right? Obey your parents and the Lord. This is right. This is what works. Listen, if you don't learn obedience now, you won't know it as an adult, and it will lead to all sorts of heartache and pain. When you choose disobedience, parents, parents, when you don't require obedience, there are consequences that may be small when your kids are little, but in the long run, they can lead to so much brokenness into adulthood. God's the creator. God's the one who designed this. He, he knows the best design. So, so this isn't just a church thing. This isn't just a, a theological idea. Every culture that thrives has at its core a family structure of parents raising their kids in obedience. Now listen, because of sin, parents, we got to work at this. It will not come naturally. Students, kids, because of sin, you've got to lean into this because you're not going to want to do this naturally. So, so let me give some, some helpful phrases that may, may help as you think about what does it look like for me to obey my parents in the Lord? Here's one. How about this? Obedience brings joy. Obedience brings joy. I mean, you, say this, you see this played out all through Scripture. In the Old Testament, every time God's people did what they wanted to do, Scripture would say, did what was right in their own eyes, said, God, forget you. It always led to heartache and separation. When they were under God's commands, following after the Lord, seeking him in worship, there was this joy and peace and harmony. And, and that's a bigger picture of what is the same principle that happens in our homes. Where there's obedience, there's joy. So I'd say this, if you're a student here, if, if life right now at home is just filled with tension, like you're having struggles, like you're butting heads with your parents all the time and you wish, man, I just want one chill weekend rather than always being at it with my parents. Maybe, listen, maybe the first thing you need to do is to check yourself. Check your obedience. Try it out. Come, come with humility and submission. Follow your parents' instruction and see if there's a joy created in your own. Obedience brings joy. Here's another thing that you could grab a hold of obey right away with a right heart. Obey right away with a right heart. I mean, some people uh, would call this first-time obedience. You ever hear that? Let me give you a bad example in Scripture of somebody who did not practice obey right away with a good heart, a right heart. That's Jonah. You know the story of Jonah, right? God says, hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah goes, yeah, I don't want to. And he goes the opposite way. God finally gets him through a lot of trial and heartache, Jonah ends up in Nineveh and he's grumbling and complaining the whole time. Not a good heart, not a right heart. And then here's what happens when you read the book of Jonah, it ends with this wicked city of Nineveh all coming to the Lord. Like revival breaks out. It should be this happy ending. Like this is the most amazing story ever. But you know how it ends? It ends with Jonah angry and upset. Obey the right way with the right heart would have saved Jonah so much heartache. Listen, this first-time obedience, first-time obedience for little kids can keep a, a child from being smashed by a car. 
First-time obedience reminds a child they're not ultimately in authority in the home. This obey right away creates this culture of mutual respect in the home. That this obey right away protects a child from the consequences that, that, that would follow if you don't obey. And I say with a right heart, what do I mean by that? I mean this, that you're obeying because why? Because, because godly parents want your best. They want to protect you. They want to grow you. They want you to flourish. So there'll be a joyful heart when you come under that truth. There'll, there'll be joy when you say, listen, I don't understand my parents. I don't get why they have this rule or, or this thing they want me to do, but, but I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust. Here's the key. What are you trusting? I'm going to trust the Lord in this. God's built it this way. I'd say one of the greatest ways for young people to show that Jesus is Lord of your life, it's, it's not just coming to church. It's not just going to harvest youth or, or harvest kids. It, it's obeying your parents. Why would I say that? Because it, it puts you in this place where you say, God, I'm going to trust what you say here in your word. I'm, I'm going to live out the gospel in my family here by laying my wants down. And I'm going to trust you. Because ultimately, it's not your parents you're coming under. It's actually the Lord you're coming under. It goes on, look at verse 2. It says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Why would you say honor your father and mother? I wonder if because parents aren't always going to get it right. I mean, there's going to be time when, 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 when your parents are may, maybe too tight. There, there's going to be times when maybe your parents are, are too loose. And, and maybe some of you were born into unbelievably strict and rigid homes. There's not a lot of flexibility, not a lot of grace. Like you've got a, a Google spreadsheet so you can keep track of all the rules in your home, right? Like maybe that's your house. And, and I'm not saying your parents are always right, but I am saying that your duty before God for your joy is to be obedient even when they don't get it right. I'm not saying this. You don't obey your parents when they're calling you to do something outside of God's word. To disobey the Lord? No, no, you, you, you don't do that. But I love how Colossians says it, the same, same idea as Paul's writing to the church in Colossa. He says this, he says, obey your parents in everything. And so you honor your father and your mother as you, as you come under this command. What does it mean? It means this, it means you're not honoring your parents when you pout. You're not honoring your parents when you whine and complain. You're not honoring when you huff and you puff. You're not honoring, listen, I've got daughters. Anybody here with daughters? You're not honoring when you shoot that wicked eye roll. Right? Anybody else have done that? Maybe sons do it too. I don't have sons, but right? It's, just, it's awesome. It's just so powerful, right? Like, I would say this, to honor your parents means this. Don't treat them like they're lame. Treat your parents like they're a gift from God to you, a gift to help you, to shape you, to protect you, to nurture you. Because here's the good news. For, for you who are teenagers, God is not out to ruin your teenage years. He's not. He's not. He's not out to ruin your life. Because it says here in verse 3 that, that you'll be blessed with this. There's a promise here that it would go well with you and you'd live long in the land. Now, my dad used to use this verse to mean if I don't obey him, he would make sure my life would be short in the land. That's not what it means, right? Here's what Paul's doing. He's going all the way back to the Old Testament, just like he did with marriage. And he's pulling this promise straight out of the Ten Commandments. Paul saying, hey, hey, this is how God designed it from the beginning for families to flourish, for you to flourish, that there's this joy in obedience. Why? Because there, there is a lifetime that's changed when we say, God, I worship you alone. God, your ways are best. 
And there's a blessing that flows from that, that, that life goes well. You flourish in that context. For the adults in the room, I, I think this idea of honor stays with us even as the obey part is dropped. If you're an adult in the room, you don't obey your parents anymore because the Bible says you leave your mother and father and cleave to your spouse. That, 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 that relationship has now changed, but I don't think the honor changes. We can still honor our parents. So, so for the adults in the room, I would just ask this, what would that look like for you? Maybe even this week, what would it look like to honor your parents? Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe, maybe it's a thanks. Maybe it's asking for advice. Maybe, maybe it's a word of encouragement. All right, so kids, your obedience, your honor in the Lord is this pathway to experiencing God's blessing. Parents, Paul goes on, now he talks to you. So that was the, the, how does the gospel play out for our kids? Now how does the gospel play out for you as parents? Look at verse four, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now it says here, fathers, it, it, it can be translated as parents, but, but I, I just want to say this, dads, dads, we talked about this last week, that, that you are called the head of the home, that you're, you're the one responsible for, the, for, the, for the, what's going on in your home. The, and I would say the most defining person in your life is your dad. It doesn't take much study to, to see the effects of a fatherless society. Whether it's absent fathers who were never there, or whether it's dads who are there but have just checked out. So yes, this is to parents. So parents, this is for us, but, but dads, let, let's lead in this. I would say this, moms know more than we do. They have a, a finger on the pulse of our kids better than we do, but that's where this partnership in marriage is so important. That together we lean in on this to, to do what God calls us up to do. And what's he say? He says, bring them up in the Lord. Notice how in the Lord is here in this as well. So kids obey in the Lord. Parents raise them up in the Lord. It's about God's glory. And really, listen, this is the main goal in parenting. If if you forget everything else about what you're doing in parenting, don't forget this. The main goal of parenting is not to help our kids get a better education. It's it's not to help our kids become better athletes. It's it's not to, to... Those things aren't wrong. But the ultimate goal of biblical parenting is to help our kids not have a great career, great education, great athletics. Those are okay. They're not ultimate. The goal of biblical parenting is to point our kids to the beauty and the worth of a life spent pursuing the most amazing, important thing ever, a life of knowing and loving Jesus Christ. That's the goal of biblical parenting. You see it all the way back in the beginning of Scripture where where Adam and Eve are told to be fruitful and multiply. Jesus takes that command and, and, and in the New Testament, he says, hey, hey, here's the bigger outworking of that. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations. When you read the two together, you see how, how linked they are. That The heart of the command to Adam and Eve was this, take the peace of the Garden of Eden, the shalom that God creates there, and, and God's saying, go and take that and take it out to the chaos of the world out there so that my shalom is felt out there. Jesus says, hey, 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 this is what it means for us today, that we bring that shalom, that peace, we bring the gospel the world that is in chaos. Listen, parents, you have that gospel mission first in your home. So how do we do that? Paul lays it out here. He says, do not provoke your children to anger. Or like, 
I got a teenager. The sun coming up provokes them to anger, right? How, how do I, how do I, that was a joke. Okay, all right. <laughs> Here's what this text is saying. It's saying this, don't, don't exasperate your kids. As you're doing this, don't exasperate them. Here, here's some ways that we can exasperate our kids. When we put them in a no-win situation, when you're calling them to do something that you know, there's no way they're going to be able to do this, but I'll may be powerful over them, make sure they do it. I'm going to take my two-year-old, and you need to sit still for two hours. It's not happening. Do kids need to learn how to sit still? For sure, but it's going to take training. It's going to, it's going to take wisdom on our part for how that happens. Don't, don't put them in no-win situations that will only bring frustration. I would say it means this, don't, don't motivate with negativity. When we poke and we jab, we're, we're exhausting our sons and our daughters' spirits. Our homes should be filled with mercy and grace and fun. There should be discipline and instruction, but there should also be nurturing in, in a way that doesn't exasperate our kids. Now, here's the thing. Every kid, because of a sinful heart, is going to push against rules. They're not going to like them. Kids will be ticked at the rules. It's not saying don't make your kids angry. It's saying this, don't try to make them angry. I'd say another way we can exasperate our kids to anger is with our speech. We need to watch the way we talk, how we speak to our kids. Do you speak words of grace or are you harsh and angry and impatient? Our mouths are so powerful when it comes to our children. Because dads, dads, you can absolutely instill in your daughters this, this self-confidence and safety in a man who will treat her and, and encourage her and love her well. Dads, you can make your sons feel safe and confident in how God created them to be. Our, our goal is to nourish and love and encourage them with our mouths. And when we speak life and blessing into our children, it builds them up. So parents, let's not wound or assault them. Because listen, our words have lasting effect. But don't forget the gospel over all of this, not provoking our kids to anger. Our, our kids can be used by God in amazing ways to reveal our own heart sin, can they not? I used to think I was super patient. And then I had kids. You'll see over and over again as you raise kids your need for the gospel, for the grace and mercy of God given to you in Jesus Christ. And, and I would say this as it relates to words in my house. I, I can have a, a quick tongue. I can speak with sarcasm and parent with sarcasm. And I'm telling you, it provokes my kids. And I can't tell you how often the Lord will convict me or, or, or Libby will say, hey, I think you wounded your daughter with those words. That's what the gospel say. The gospel would say this. I go into my kid's room and I apologize. I display the gospel in failure by saying, it's not right for me to talk to you like that. I'm so sorry that I hurt you and I need Jesus just as much as you do. I need to ask him to forgive me and I want to ask you to forgive me. Let's not provoke our children to anger. I mean, here's the thing. Here's how you need to see it. Yes, for, for a season, your kids are under your authority. But listen, in an eternal perspective, your kids are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Think of them that way as you think about what it looks like to raise them up. So you're supposed to discipline and instruct them in the Lord. What, what would it mean to instruct our kids? Instruct them so that they know the Lord. And this has been the parent's job from the beginning. God told Abraham to raise your kids up to know me. God says in Deuteronomy, this, this famous verse, Deuteronomy 6, 5, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Listen, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You see the command there to instruct that we teach our kids. It, it means verbally we talk about the gospel. We, we share God's word. We talk about Jesus. And Deuteronomy gives the when. Well, when do I do that? It says, well, when you sit at home, when you're along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, pretty much covers just talk about Jesus a lot, talk about the word all the time. And I would say it this way, you are, as a parent, you are the best Bible teacher for your kids. It's not, it's not Harvest Kids. It's not Harvest Youth. It's not me. You're the best to teach your kids. And why would I say that? How can I say that? Because it's the way God designed it. You're the primary instructor of the gospel of God's word in your children's lives. You have more time than I do, more time than Jesse, more time than Marshall. And so what's it look like in your home? Maybe for you, it's a daily time in the word with your kids. Maybe it's a morning or at dinner time. Maybe it's a weekly time. Maybe it changes through the seasons. In our family, we, we try. We're not always successful. We try to be in the Word together as a family in the morning. It doesn't always work. In the summer, never, right? We've got to change it up a bit. How do we do it in the summer? But here, here's the key in this. Don't let your kids leave the house saying, we only opened our Bible at church. Outside of a time of sitting down and actually going into the Word together as a family, it's it's also just about these opportunities where you just speak God's word in life. When you're in the car driving, when you're at the dinner table, when you're talking about things, when life stuff comes up, do you have God's word stored up in your heart that you can then say, hey kids, this is what God's word says. Deuteronomy paints this picture that it's not just with words, it's also visible. It's something they're gonna see in you. Like, like mom and dad aren't just talking about the gospel. It's, it's like written on their foreheads. It's all over their house. I, I don't think you need to write memory verses on your forehead. If that's the way you want to roll, go ahead. That's, I don't think that's what it means, right? Here's what it means. Is the gospel visible in your home? How do you deal with struggles? Is your house full of, of complaining or gossiping or anger, or is it prayer and thankfulness and faith? How do you deal with success? Is your house filled with pride and self-centeredness and entitlement or is it, or is it gratitude and, and generosity? How do you discipline your kids? Is, is it out of anger and, and reaction or is it gospel-driven because you're rescuing your child's heart? I mean, here's the key. Kids are not great listeners, but they're amazing imitators. Let me say that again. Kids are not great listeners, but they're amazing imitators and they're watching you as their parents. They're watching your marriage. They're watching your life. Are you instructed? Now it says instruct and it says discipline as well. We discipline our kids. Now, again, culture has a lot of opinions on discipline. Like marriage, I'd say this. I really don't care what culture thinks. But the picture here that, that is being laid out is that, that we, we are the ones as parents in charge of keeping boundaries for our kids and training our kids to walk in obedience in, in those boundaries. Now, again, the context here is you're doing this in the Lord. It's, it's not provoking to anger, but you're showing them, hey, listen, these boundaries are so good for you. You're going to find joy here. I don't have time in one sermon to unpack what does that look like to discipline your kids well. Uh, there's good resources out there. 
And there's great books. There's a book called Give Them Grace, which is so good. And there's another book called Gospel-Driven Parenting, phenomenal resource. I think anything written by Paul Tripp will probably be great to grab. But here's a takeaway this morning. Discipline your children with love that leads them towards God, not with anger that leads them away from God. Discipline your children with love that leads them toward God. There, there will be discipline needed in your home, but there's a, a, a child who's disciplined in love is going to learn to respect authorities. That's on us as parents, that, that we're raising our kids to learn what it is to respect authority. Ultimately, they're seeing you in the discipline. They're seeing you as a picture of God, how God disciplines. What's that mean? It means on the one hand, God does not just wink and look the other way at our sin. We don't just excuse it. We don't just let it happen. We don't just giggle when our kid's doing crazy stuff, right? But on the other hand, we also know that God disciplines those he loves. That it's good to come under his authority. That it goes well for you. And God calls us as parents to say, this is the joy of following in God's boundaries. Now, how does this look? How, how, do we, how do we see this play out? I heard one person give this advice. It really stuck with me. And it says, he said this. He said, the more time you spend coaching your kids, the less time you'll need to spend correcting your kids. The more time you spend coaching, the less time you'll need to spend correcting. Because correcting is always the easiest thing to do. If, 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 if you just have to say, don't do that, do that. That's fast and easy. And listen, there will be discipline that creates the opportunity for that coaching. There's boundaries we put in place. And as you train them in the Lord, instructing them, showing them, at the younger ages, it will be a lot more discipline. You're, you're gonna be more like a director in your kids' lives when they're young. But all that input in all that time, what happens is you slowly start to see yourself not as a director, but as a trainer. And you keep putting in that time. Eventually in the teen years, you become a coach to your parents. But listen, if you don't discipline young, if the boundaries aren't set, if the joy of, of walking under the authority of the Lord and the authority of, of parents, if that's not set young, you'll miss that opportunity to be their coach in the teen years. Because the goal here is that we grow in a relationship that we put the time in for the sake of influence. Because there will be a time when your kids are on their own and they're out from underneath you and, and they're not in this obey relationship anymore. But listen, listen, in there you can still have influence as you built up those years. Because if, if for kids, if the word is obey or, or honor, for parents, I believe the word is this, it's influence. And this isn't easy. It's, it's going to take the word of God in you. It's going to take God's spirit filling you. It's going to take partnership with other believers who are encouraging and challenging and, and lifting you up in prayer. Harvest kids and harvest youth is a great place where your kids can be surrounded by other godly people. And then what do you do? You speak life into your kids. You speak life into your kids so that when they hear their name called out by you, there's a joy in them. As the worship team comes up, th this is the goal that when your kids would look back on growing up in your home, that they'd be able to say this, my, my parents weren't perfect, but they sure loved me. And they sure loved Jesus. They always pointed me to him. My parents had some rules that I certainly did not like, but they were always fighting for me. And so parents, what do we do? We, we, we prepare our minds. We're up early in the word because we need God's help in this. And we, say, we, we start to say, Lord, I know what my job is. My job is to shape, to mold, to discipline, to love. My, my role is to influence. My job is to show these kids Jesus. And this job is huge. 
You might not feel up to the task, but listen, God empowers what he commands. If God calls us to this, as a kid, it's not not always easy to obey your parents, but God will empower you in it. Parents, it's not always easy to to raise your kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, but God will empower it. Why? Because God never seems to call the experts. He calls mess-ups like you and me. So here's what I want to do as we wrap up this morning. As we sing this final song, and it's a song of blessing, straight from Scripture. But as it's being sung over you, here's what I want. If, if you're a, a, chill, a child here or, or a teenager, a student, I want to give you the opportunity as we sing that you be singing with a prayerful heart. You be, you be even yourself right there just praying, Lord, Lord, help my relation with my parents. Pray for your parents. Parents, that, that you take this opportunity as we sing, that you be praying for your kids, for the relationship you have with them. For those in the room who you don't have kids or, or maybe your kids are, are all grown now, that, that, that God would be laying on your heart as you're part of this family, you'd pray for those placed in your life where you're a spiritual father, a spiritual mom. That we would see that we are men and women coming under the submission of the Lord filled with his spirit to what? To live out the gospel in our homes. That our job is what? To show our kids Jesus. So you stand with me as I pray? Heavenly Father, um, even as we wrap up this morning, God, I pray for those here in this room. Lord, first I pray for the kids here. God, I pray that as they hear this message, that they would start in this place, that I need Jesus for this. That God, that that salvation, they would know that even right now, that salvation, that, that following you is not about being perfect, obedient kids. It's not about following all the rules that, that your parents lay out on you. It's about this. It's coming to a place to say, I need Jesus. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And so God, if there are kids here this morning who have not come to that place, God, I pray right now, even in the quiet of their heart, they'd say, that's what I want. I want to follow Jesus. If you're a kid here this morning, that's what you would pray, even right now. I don't just want to be an obedient kid. I don't want to just make my parents happy. I want to follow Jesus. For the adults in this room, whether you're a parent or not, to recognize that to live this life, it starts with the gospel. And so God, I pray right now for hearts across this room, Lord, if there are hearts here this morning who have not given their lives to you, not taken that step of jumping off the dock into their father's arms of saying, Lord, I wanna follow you. God, I pray this morning would be a morning of salvation. Father, I pray for the prodigals, that would be represented in this room. God, that you would bring prodigals home. God, I pray for the families that are struggling. Lord, God, I pray for those who have had had parents that were abusive and difficult and and listening to this is so hard. God, I pray that your grace would be all over that, that, that you are the perfect heavenly father. And so Lord, for those who didn't have dads that represented you well, God, I pray that in this moment, your tender care would speak so loudly. Father, that all of us, as we move forward, whether parenting or just living our lives, God, that we would start from this place of, I need Jesus. 
that I'm lost without him. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.